I was conditioned, right, into thinking certain things and behaving a certain way. And what I mean by that is, you know, even from a very young age, we're talking like three, four, five, I had been given disassociative drugs just so I would be fine and disassociate from whatever abuse they were going to put me through, right? So when I say I was adopted for the purpose of being sex trafficked, being labor trafficked, that, that that really is the case, like literally groomed from toddlerhood, right? And things kind of got to a, a even worse place because it wasn't just you know, getting beat up wasn't just being sexually abused. There was also several times where uh, my parents straight tried to kill me. And I, I literally have no idea how I'm alive. Like, I cannot tell you you know, how, how I'm still alive at this point. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made it to headlines. Maybe they weren't believed. And you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us. And remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community and I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful and in spite of what you're going through or what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that and there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter and your story matters always. Taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. A long time ago, I was adopted. You know, I eventually had that adoption finalized for me at the age of three. And I, I was straight up, now I know. I was adopted for the purposes of being sex and labor trafficked, right? So, um, I mean, even from before I was adopted and in foster care, a lot of abuse, right? Like right away. So uh, I was taken away from my my birth mother at birth, uh, mainly because of 
drug use. Um, you know, she had enough alcohol in her system to make me intoxicated as well. Right. Even like at the hospital. So, um, you know, I was taken away right, right away and placed into you know, foster care at some point. And every house that I was transferred to, I, I was taken away by either child protective services or by the police from domestic abuse, domestic violence, whatever the case was. Um, but eventually I got adopted and it was by, you know, two parents that they themselves had been abused when they were younger. Right. And so, you know, I want to paint this picture that they had came to a point where in their minds where, oh, this is a normal thing, right? All kids get sexually abused or, you know, used in some kind of way, shape or form. And so they sort of did this to their kids, right? I've got, you know, siblings that are both adopted and then uh, blood related to my adopted parents, right? So kind of a combination. I had always kind of been treated a little bit differently. I'm one of the younger ones, right? Uh, I had suspected it was because of the adoption, but I think the real reason is that I was conditioned, right, into thinking certain things and behaving a certain way. And what I mean by that is, you know, even from a very young age, we're talking like three, four, five, I had been given disassociative drugs like LSD, PCP just so I would be fine and disassociate from whatever abuse they were gonna put me through, right? So when I say I was adopted for the purpose of being sex trafficked, being labor trafficked, that, that, that really is the case. Like literally groomed from toddlerhood. You know, and it was kind of one of those things where, uh, you know, there was a lot of physical abuse as well, right? From very early age. And my adopted mother, right, I'll just call her like my formal legal guardian, sure. Uh, she, uh, she's got Munchausen syndrome by proxy really bad, like super bad. So she, w I was always going in uh, the doctor, right? She was always uh, pushing for really unnecessary medical treatments and being super paranoid about, you know, what if it's this or that? I mean, at one point I had to have my blood transfused because I got iron poisoning, right? Because she thought that I, I was anemic some, for some reason and would like push that. I remember getting malnourished really bad as a young kid, right? And this was, in my opinion, on, on purpose, right? So they did this in order to have the doctor say, Oh, he's had such bad muscle wasting, muscular atrophy, that now we're gonna have to give him like hormone injections and put me on what, what they call like a PENS unit, which is a percutaneous neurological kind of stimulating things, where it was, you know, essentially electrodes that you'd place into the muscle fibers itself and then shock the muscle. Kind of medieval, but, uh, and they only use it in like very rare, like super bad cases, muscular atrophy, but it does work, especially in combination with, you know, the hormones they had been giving me and then, uh, you know, feeding me through some kind of like feeding tube, right? Uh, eventually, I, I, you know, I, I did pick up and start walking, right? So I didn't actually end up start to walk. I didn't stand up until I was about four years old, right? You know, I think that that was an attempt to kind of like stunt my growth. Right, to make me small, little, cute, 
right, manageable for ever, right? And uh, that for a little while worked, right? I was, I always looked like I was a year younger than everybody else in my grade, for sure. At least until I hit puberty and then I got a lot taller, right? But that's kind of like to set up the scenario, right? So imagine, you know, the small scrawny kid that's uh, having essentially like a disability, right? Physical, like I can, can barely walk, right? Kind of thing. Had a really hard time feeding myself, bathing myself. So this is, this was me, right? And my parents would bring people over, you know, exchange for money, and they would sexually abuse me either at the house or like at school, whatever the case was, right? And I remember moving out of state with them, actually. Uh, that was really, really bad, a, a terrible place for me, right? for a lot of people, but for me especially. So this was in the early to mid nineties that we were there. And you know, the, with the conditioning that they put me through, it would be something to the effect of where someone could sexually abuse me, physically abuse me, and then I would have amnesia. Like completely block it out, right? And um, they were, they would even put me in kind of like these uh, psychological sort of sessions where they would do this, uh, you know, I don't know if it's EMDR or whatever the case was, but to help me feel better about the situation. And so I would have this memory problem, right, where I couldn't remember people's faces, Right, things like this, uh, and I really couldn't tell anybody about what was happening to me. Right. And if I did, I would just seem like totally not incredible. Right, right, right. right. And at this point, may I ask, were you still attending school, and no one noticed anything abnormal during school attendance? Uh, so, yes, right. And oh, this wow. is the real reason why I bring up Houston is that it's a heavy. Uh, heavily influenced Christian community, right? And my parents didn't go to church. So right off the bat, we were kind of ostracized, or at least I was kind of ostracized from a lot of the other students, right? Okay. So to the point where the teachers, administrators preferred to me as devil boy because <gasps> I didn't go to school, right? What? And I had been attacked by teachers physically, sexually, right? And it's because they could get away with it, right? Uh, the person that has no friends and is incredible and you know you do this to them and they can't remember any of the details about it and they can't tell an officer hey this happened to me right well then they probably will get away with it and so uh it became really rampant so the so that was you know the kind of the stuff that was pretty much on the daily for me um and things kind of got to a, a even worse place because it wasn't just you know, getting beat up wasn't just being sexually abused. There was also several times where uh, my parents straight up tried to kill me. Um, so I remember distinctly a couple times out in the woods, each one of my parents separately uh, either tried to, yeah, they beat me to death, essentially, was what it was. And they would do that with other kids too. And I, I literally have no idea how I'm alive. Like, I cannot tell you, you know, how, how I'm still alive at this point. 
and how you're able to tell this your story like how you're able to bring it to light in these like how you're able to tell it you know without just completely falling apart because this is horrific and to think that these are human beings and, I, and, you know, I want to go back to how you said they, you know, as their your formal legal guardians, because I can't even use the term and see and fathom the term and how you're able to say mother and father and parents and adoptive. Um, you know, these as we are knowing, these people are supposed to take care of you. And that that comes to this is all during your school age years. Yeah, uh, before oh, the wow. age of 10. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's, it's, I'm at a loss of words. Did it continue to get worse after you hit that after 10 where it is the puberty where I guess you, you are getting a little um, more knowledgeable of how to, well, I guess everybody's different at this point, but did you start to recognize anything else growing within yourself? No, not really. And and in fact, I I actually didn't quite wake up, quote unquote, until less than a year ago. Things got kind of shaky for a while. Um, I mean, like when I say shaky, like literally I, I would physically shake just thinking about how, how can people do this to another human being, right? And have so much, you know, dedication and time and effort to put into that. I mean, they'd have to pretty much think about it all day long, every day, at least one of the, you know, the guardians, if not both of them. Right. And, and how, how are, you know, now I want to kind of, ask and not say you know not like i'm not trying to cut you off in your story um but but at this moment of time where you kind of woke up a year ago are you knowledgeable of where these former legal guardians are are you where Uh, is that yeah actually one of them one of them the spouse killed (gasps) oh wow and i've made reports so hopefully that will lead to some investigations and and you know Yes. We'll see what wow. happens with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, for why? Well, money, power, control, typical stuff. I mean, nothing too non-standard there. When we hear this, it's hard for us not to believe, but now it's a little bit more where we are hearing this 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 these type of heinous things happening and when you get someone in a space where they are able to share it like you are able to just kind of walk like walk us through this and i know it's horrible for some probably listeners but in in truth you know is this your form of uh you know kind of justice in an awakening way or is it just kind of you're able to uh, put this out there because you want people to kind of know that this is happening. And there are people when say, when they say that sex trafficking and labor trafficking is happening in the foster care system. And that there are people out recruiting individuals like this is real. And it has yeah. been. Uh, both definitely for sure. Um, 
I would say uh, I, uh, I actually not too long ago was told that I was like pretty much the worst of the worst case scenarios, like something that absolutely should never have happened. Right. Um, and it's just a lot of meticulous effort on a couple of individuals parts that really, really tried to push it. So, um, don't think it can't. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and people, uh, saw me every day, go to school or work or whatever the case is. And they had no idea, right. A lot of people, but I feel like I'm in a space now where the, you know, the condition is more or less lifted. Uh, um, uh, I can remember things, right. It all yeah. kind of came flooding back and it sort of once, and I've been going to therapy, really trying to sort through it, trying to remember things and, uh, you know, deal with it while raising a couple kids and yeah. being married and having a career, right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So. That, that is, and that is the, that is the, the, the overcoming that we love to hear because you know, how, how, how horrific it sounds. And we are so unfortunate to hear that this happened to you and, you know, not a lot of people were even aware, but even if some were aware, you know, what could they have done? I think at this point, it's, it's wonderful to hear that you survive, but you also have the family unit and you have your career and you, again, you have this space where you could tell us these, you know, truths. And, and, you know, my question, obviously at the end, but you answered it was like, how are you now? And it's so important to highlight that things through therapy, you know, are able, like you said, to uplift us and kind of throw off, throw off the hat of, okay, oh, I remember this and this happened because of this. And, and you could tell with how you're delivering your story too. And I just appreciate that as well. Cause I, you know, I, I'm speechless. You probably don't know. I say that a lot. I'm like, you know, you know, cause it's like all in my head right now, how I'm processing everything. And, oh man. And I, and I just got a good feeling because like I hear your kids in the background and that's so amazing. I hope it's your kids. It's not like you're at like a supermarket or anything. And it's just like some random kids running around. <laughs> no, no, no. These are, yeah, my yeah, kids for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to know that you're in a space where you didn't give up. Right. Um, they tried yeah. to take your life. Um, and you said you had some thoughts and, and, you know, attempts on your end, but you're able to raise kids and see and not turn the table but you know <sighs> break the cycle break the cycle yes break the cycle um and so just kind of like how you heard of a episode or two or a few or all or whatnot how what is there like a message you'd like to say to those survivors because i have others that they might not even see themselves as surviving anything yet they're like still in their victimization and this is very recent for you, like last year. So that awakening, can you tell them anything about like that journey or what to kind of look forward to, or <sighs> I just have so many things. <laughs> uh, so you're asking about the journey yeah, to awakenment yeah. or, or like what comes after that? Both sort of both in a way, because the bombshell is that, you know, you are able to, you know, have your family, have your relationship, have your career, um, and some others, you know, can't and don't get there. Um, you know, for me, I think the journey was really trying to recognize what evil was, 
right? What the absolute worst parts of humanity can be and then decide to my, you know, on my own for myself, this is not the way I want to be. This is not the way I want to treat people. Right. And I might not know what good is, but I know what evil is. And I can definitely do the exact opposite of that and hope that's the good thing to do. Right. Absolutely. So I've always tried to do the right thing. And I think that's really paid off in the end because people eventually saw that and started helping me. And I can say that without, you know, people really digging into why is, why is this, you know, this way for this person, why they react in certain scenarios, you know, because it's really easy to pick up on the trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, for some people, Mm -hmm. right. You just react and it's like, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. So um, it just took some caring individuals to try to help me out uh, and, you know, give me some, you know, some loving care and guidance, right. To help me to kind of awaken. So that's, that's the first side of the coin. And then uh, dealing with the aftermath, right. Uh, I can say the thing that's really kept me going is the fact that I feel like I've won yes. in my opinion, yes. right. You couldn't kill me. You couldn't break me. Mm. You couldn't, you couldn't turn me into you. I will never be you. Ooh. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what keeps me going, knowing that you know, I have people that care about me and love me. And I have a, what I would consider now, at least anyways, to be a pretty good life. Yes. Right. I'm very thankful for everything that I have. And uh, I'm not going to let my past dictate my future. I get to decide now, not, not that. Hey, it's Victoria. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. Thank you for being a part of hearing and listening to voices that were often unheard, underrepresented, and feeling as though their stories weren't seen, heard, or believed. And I hope that you stay tuned for another episode as we will bring you weekly episodes released on Fridays of survival stories, controversial conversations, and coverage of stories that never really make it to headlines. And if you haven't yet, check out season one. All right, check y'all back for next Friday, Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast.